Hi again, listeners, and welcome to episode two of Sorry for Your Loss, the podcast where we talk about talking about grief. I'm your host, Ellen Schwartz, and I hope for your sake that you have in your life friends who are as good to you as the two women in this episode have been to me. Kelly, Holly, and I have been friends since I was a freshman in college, which is plenty of years ago by now, so we are close. At the beginning, you will hear them teasing me about my British vocab that I have as a carryover from the last few years living in London. Uh, They're teasing me in a way that only long-standing friends really can. It's been amazing to have their friendship over the last few years of drama and mundanity that life throws at you in your 20s and 30s. I also want to shout out to both of them because this entire podcast would most likely not have come to fruition without both of them. We heard from Holly in episode one. She was the original catalyst. And when I told Kelly about the idea, she was immediately supportive and enthusiastic and wholeheartedly agreed to be interviewed. Thank you so much, Kelly and Holly. I know you both know how much you mean to me. So the three of us in this episode are talking about Kelly's mom, Nancy. She died right at the end of our time in college. Nancy had colon cancer, and it was a long process with bouts of health and decline, so Kelly was able to reflect a lot about what was happening, when it was happening, and even more in the years since. We discuss how she's felt as she moved through milestones, like getting married and having kids and different birthdays, holidays, etc., without her mom, and how simple it can be to offer support. We are a bit of a mess at the beginning because I had not worked out how to introduce a podcast with more than two people, so please forgive a few giggles and false starts. The, t- the content gets really good, just stick with us. We also reference some books and articles, and you'll be able to find those links on our website, www.sorryforyourlosspod.com. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Kelly and Holly and me. Hello, and welcome to Sorry for Your Last podcast. I'm Ellen, and I'm here with Holly. Hi. <laughs> and <Sorry>. our... <laughs> we need to edit that out, or... <laughs> yeah, we can totally edit that out. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Sorry for Your Last Podcast. I'm Ellen, and I'm here with my co-host, Holly. Hello. And today we are talking with one of our oldest and dearest friends, Kelly, who we've known for ages since we were all at university together. And we're going to talk about... University. (laughs) You're so British. (laughs) We were all in college together. (laughs) Hi. So you can tell this is going to be a very familiar <laughs> podcast to where we're all just yeah. going to be familiar with each other because we were all part of this and we know each other and love each other. Um, but it doesn't make this conversation necessarily any easier. Um, but yeah, Kelly, I wanted to ask you to just kind of kick it off. Tell us about your mom and that experience and how that all happened. Yeah. So um, my mom, uh, well, first of all, she was, uh, she's a lot like me. So she was kind of a force, very opinionated, um, outspoken, outgoing. Um, but you know, she had, she had flaws there. She was also very insecure. She was, um, not always sure of herself, but she kind of always, um, she did what she needed to do to, I don't know. She, she was just a force. Um, 
she ended up uh, getting diagnosed with <clears throat> uh, stage four colon cancer when she was, oh gosh, I can't even remember how old she was at the time, 54, I think. Um, we were all, uh, like we knew she hadn't been feeling well for a while, but she shielded all of us from um, really knowing much. And I think she went to the doctor at one point and they kind of misdiagnosed her and she didn't really push it. She didn't like going to the doctor. She was one of those people that would be like, uh, put on a cold, I'm cold, uh, take some cough medicine. You sound, but like she would never do it for herself. Like she would always take care of everybody else before she would take care of herself. And, um, so yeah, so she eventually got diagnosed, um, and we all found out we, they weren't very honest with us though, about, um, when she was diagnosed, how bad it was. So we all kind of, I mean, it was devastating of course, and we knew it was bad, but, um, I don't remember, like it was, it was a long time ago. So she died at this point, she died, uh, almost 12 years ago. So it's hard to remember a lot of those little details. Um, but you know, we, life moved forward and she started chemo immediately and um, she didn't want it to affect her life in most ways. So she kept working. She was a teacher and uh, I was in college at the time. So I just, I, I think at one point we had a conversation of like, do I need to stay home or can I go back to school? And everyone was like, no, that's ridiculous go back to school. This is fine. <clears throat> My sister was in college, like her last year of college, and my brother was already moved out. So uh, a lot of that first stuff happened just, I think, with her and my dad. And then, um, yeah, we would get uh, results, scans, things like that periodically about how she was doing. Um, she had one instance in 2000, so this would have been 2004 in July. And in, see, it was summer, spring, spring of 2006. She had to go in for emergency surgery, something complication. And actually I had a friend, Kara from Springfield. She drove me all the way home um, and then drove all the way back. So she had a, a six hour um, drive ahead of her. And it was just, I remember it being like evening. I didn't have a car. So yeah, it was amazing. She did that. And my mom had a colostomy bag after that because they took out a section of her colon. And then she went back to work for a while. And then in spring of 2007, she declined pretty quickly. She was in hospice starting early July and then mid July of 2007. And then it was about a week and then she died. So we knew <clears throat> for a while that it was going to happen. And then by the time she went into hospice, it was, I mean, it was going to happen almost immediately. She was no longer eating food. She was just, she just had IVs and um, yeah, it was, it was a really rough decline, but it only took, it was only like four days, four or five days of like her, she was in tubes and she was in a hospital bed at the house. <clears throat> and we had like a nurse come in every day and kind of help. But uh, yeah, it was, we had a lot of time. Like we knew from 2004, we, we kind of knew that that was, that was what was going to happen. We just didn't know when. And all of the, the chemo and the, um, medicines and things. It was a lot of experimental stuff. So we were lucky that a lot of it worked for a really long time. 
not to make anything go away, but just so that she could continue to live and, um, and, and at least sustain most of her quality of life for a really long time. <clears throat> I later found out after she died that, that she was given three months to live back in 2004 when she was diagnosed, which we didn't know because my dad said she didn't want to, she didn't want to tell us that, that like we, they were totally honest about the fact that she had cancer and that she was sick, but they didn't want to, they didn't want to, they didn't want to scare us into thinking like that was it. I mean, she was also like, she'd lost all of her hair and she never, she never wanted to wear a scarf because it looked like she was sick. Like she immediately went and got a wig that looked normal. And like, she never wanted people to know she was sick. She didn't want to talk about it. So I think, I think another thing, like she didn't want to talk about it. Like she was grieving her own, like she knew she was going to die and she wouldn't talk about it. And so I was a little bit mad at my dad (laughs) when we found out that they didn't tell us how bad it was, but the fact that we'd gotten three years was, I, he probably would have told us it once if she declined really quickly, they would have told us. But once, once things started, she was just sort of more sustained. So they were, they figured that they would keep, you know, living life like normal. So, so yeah. So, um, you guys came to the funeral. I remember that. I know this is going to sound really weird, but like, I don't remember a lot of that about it. I am. Um, I, I just have little flashes of, of what happened, who was there, what was said. Um, but for the most part, I just remember the presence of love. Like people just were out there. And that's, I think that's so important is that when people don't disappear, I know, you know, this, this podcast is all about like people kind of not knowing what to say and not knowing how to approach subjects and not talk about it. And I think the important thing is just being present that's a really, really big deal. And, you know, you do have all of these things that happen when someone dies, you know, you have to deal with funerals and you have to do like the logistics, this, this, the things that fill your head that are all just the practical realities of it. And then you're also dealing with just feeling broken. And so when you have people that are there, even if they don't say anything, I think it's, it totally depends on the situation. But for me, I remember just, just loving the fact that people made the trip or if, if they weren't far, they just dropped in to say hello. And I think people forget sometimes with funerals and wakes and things like that, that like you're not there, not there for the person who died. They're gone. You're there for the people that survive. So I remember, yeah, I would hear people say like, I'm not going to go there. You know, like I didn't know that person, but it'll be maybe like a coworker. It'll be a friend. It'll be like, but you knew you're, you have that person there with you. Like it's their dad. You didn't meet their dad, but you're not there for their dad. Like you're there for them. So I think, I think that's, that's something that's super important for people to think is that just, just be present, be, be aware that your friend might not want to talk, but you know, reach out or, or say, like, I think we've talked about this before where you don't, you don't know what to say. And so you just avoid the subject altogether. You just don't talk. You say nothing. And that's not always even the best idea. Sometimes, especially if it's a good friend, it's okay to ask questions and to say, you know, I want to be here for you, but I don't really know what to say. I don't know what you need right now. So I 
think that's important. In the late, do you feel like you did a lot of your grieving before your mom died? Like, mm-hmm. was it a, it wasn't a shock that she had died, but right. was there a shift then like when she actually was gone? Yes. Um, I mean, there were, there were little, there were little bursts of grief before she died for reasons like, you know, you, when she, when she went in for surgery. So we, um, we automatically thought like, this is it, she's going to die. So you sort of have that stuff flash and you're like, okay, I need, I need to be prepared for this. Cause I think like with most things in life, I think you tend to be a little more naive about bad news where you get bad news and you, you say, yes, I realize this is bad. This is going to be bad. But then in the back of your mind, there's that little thing that's like, I mean, but maybe we're going to be the ones that like, we'll have the miracle. We're going to be the ones that this doesn't affect or, or it won't be as bad as you think it's going to be. And I think that I, I have that voice all the time. So I think sometimes that expectation management is, is tough, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think just realizations before she died of like, she's not going to be here for this or, or, um, not knowing like when it's going to happen. So thinking like, do I need to do all of these things or talk to her or say these things or have her say these things before she dies. And then sometimes you just forget. I think when she wasn't really sick, it didn't, I couldn't, I didn't always remember even, but, um, once she went to hospice, that was like, there was just a lot of crying, just a lot, just because you know that it's the end. And she, again, just like other other times when she'd gotten sick, she didn't want to talk about it. Like I even thought maybe that once she was gone, like, like, did she write us letters? Did she do anything? And dad was like, no, she didn't, she didn't want to address dying at all. And even she didn't want to make any decisions about it either. So like she would talk to my dad and he would be like, well, we need to know, you know, if you want to be cremated or, and she was just like, you decide. She was like, I don't, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to, I don't want to do any of it, which makes me think also that that was never a subject that was approached when she was younger either. You know, it was just, you just don't talk about death because it's, I don't know, it's crass or it's, it's too depressing or, you know, people just don't talk about it for a lot of reasons. So, yep. So she just kind of avoided everything. And, but when she died, yeah, there was, it was a weird day when she died. I mean, obviously it's going to be the weirdest day of your life when a parent dies. Um, but it was, so I went into work because, so it was just me and my dad there. Um, it was over the summer and Amy was already, I think she was already moved out at that point. And my brother was out, you know, moved out. And so I remember being like, should we go to work? Like, is this appropriate? We know that she's close. She's close. And dad was like, no, she doesn't, like, she doesn't want you to just like sit there. So he's like, just keep living your life. And he was going to do the same thing. So we both went to work, but maybe a half hour, hour into it, I got a call from him saying that he'd gotten a call from the hospice nurse saying that we needed to come home. And that was it. So I don't know how I drove home. Like I, in hindsight, somebody else should have been like, let me drive you, uh-huh. you know, 35 minute drive. Cause I, I remember just tears. Like I, I just remember sort of that, like just that really deep, like hyperventilating crying. I was like, how did I drive? <laughs> so it would have been nice. I think if someone had offered to drive me home, <laughs> but, uh, 
once we got home, we, she'd already, she was already gone. Nan hooked her from all the tubes and stuff. And I got there first. Um, the chaplain was there because with, with hospice, they always bring over a chaplain after someone dies. I guess for last rites. I honestly don't even remember why he was there. But um, it was him and the hospice nurse. And then my dad got home and then everybody kind of slowly flooded in. So it was my brother, my sister-in-law, his wife, Kelly, and then Amy, my sister, and her husband, Henry. And then Doug, my fiance at the time. I was like, were we very, very Um, So all of us were there at the house and it was just weird. Like she was in the living room. She was gone. But like we were like in the dining room, like talking and like we would occasionally like go back into the room and, you know, be with her for a minute. And we'd all kind of take, we cried a lot, but we also laughed a lot. We told a lot of stories and think that's you know people do that a lot when someone dies you tell stories and and there were a lot of people that died that year that year we had we lost four people kind of in our family it was my sister-in-law's dad my mom my grandpa my uncle and yeah so so we did a lot of funerals that year (laughs) and uh then after that so they they kept her there for a few hours and then they they took her wherever they take dead people. I don't know. Um, and then I remember dad was obviously doing all of those like plans. And then, and then we were like, what do we do now? Like, it felt so weird. And so we went to Harry Potter. We seriously, we went to a movie and then dad was like, mom hated White Castle and I love it. So let's go to White Castle for dinner. <laughs> so for lunch. we went to White Castle and then after that, we came home and we did more crying and telling stories and laughing and just being together. And then uh, we ordered, I remember ordering Papa John's pizza and it never came. <laughs> and it was just, it just never showed up. And uh, Ryan, my brother, who's super inappropriate about a lot of stuff, was like, I'm going to pull the dead mom card and I'm going to call him and make him feel super bad. And I was like, dude, too soon. (laughs) But that is, that is him. That is his personality. He's definitely a, he just, he jokes. He doesn't, he's not super sensitive. And of course he was devastated that our mother died, but he's the kind of guy to tell a dead mom joke. He still is. So, (laughs) uh, that's another thing is that people are so different in how they grieve. So, I mean, my brother and my sister and I all, we all lost our mom, but we all handled it differently. Um, you know, we, we did different things to cope. Um, and I think also the way that you feel, it's kind of weird, but like the way you feel about death, like, or being religious makes a difference too. Uh, my brother is, I can't remember if it's agnostic or atheist, but he believes like when you die, it's nothing. Like you don't go anywhere, you know, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no afterlife, there's no coming back as anything else. He just thinks if you're gone, you're gone, which I think is really, I think that's super depressing because I feel like I have to believe there's something else. So that, I think for me, thinking of someone like that, I feel like death would be so much harder to handle because it's so much more like finite that but I don't know and obviously everyone kind of deals with it in their own way obviously but uh yeah so that was just a weird weird day and 
it's, it's weird to have to just keep, keep living your life. Like that's, I think that was the weirdest part is that like things just, you know, people still had to keep going to their jobs and it was still raining that day or, you know, like just life still went on. And, um, and then you sort of don't know if like you should talk about it. That was going to be my question. Like when you went back to work or even like with your friend group, like, did you want to ask? Did they bring it up? So I remember, um, I talk about my mom a lot. I still talk about it a lot. And it, it's not, uh, it's not meant to make people feel uncomfortable, but that's like my form of coping is I just, I bring her up a lot. I like to tell stories. I like to remember her in those ways. And, um, I would, I would do that even more right after she died. And I actually remember having a conversation with some of my friends and being like, look, I'm going to talk about her. So I, I hope it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. It's not my, it's not my intention. I don't want to make you like, I'm not looking for sympathy. That's not like the point of me, like talking about this stuff. And I, it's not like I would talk about how she died. It would just be, you know, we were talking about something else and I would mention, oh, my mom liked this or this. So um, I, I did that. I went ahead and like said, I'm going to do this. This is my form of coping because it does make people feel so uncomfortable whenever you either bring up somebody who dies or, oh, I, you know, at work, somebody will say something about mothers and I'll be like, oh, well, you know, mine passed away or um, people immediately like you can see it, how uncomfortable it makes people because they don't know what to do. Um, for me, I would try and diffuse, I think the, the discomfort and be like, it's okay. It was a long time ago, you know, regardless of when it was just because if it's not a close friend or if we're not really going to get into it, there's no point in, you know, uh, making people feel weird about it. But, uh, do you feel like there'd yeah. be a more appropriate response? Um, well, you get a lot of the stock and I'm sure Holly, you get this all the time where like somebody finds out you lost a parent or whatever. And they're like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Or, um, you just like a generic, like just, just generic condolences, which is fine. I don't, you know, I don't think that there's any, especially, especially with someone you're not really close to, there's no really better way to address it. than you know, just, I'm really sorry. Very rarely have people been like, I'm really sorry. Like, tell me about her or, um, you know, talk, do you want to talk about it? I don't think, I think if you're in a situation where you're talking to somebody, I mean, if I'm at work and I'm with a client, we're just doing a tour or something of an event space and they mention it. And then I like, that's not going to be a conversation that you want to get into. But yeah, if you're right. meeting someone for the first time and it's like, you're at dinner or if you're meeting friends or whatever, and someone doesn't know, I think those social situations, I think it's perfectly acceptable to, um, to say like, cause obviously some people aren't going to want to talk about it. So I, but I don't think there's a problem with saying, um, I'm really sorry. Do you want to talk about what happened or do you want to talk about it? I think it would be nice if people were a little bit more, um, open to those kinds of just kind of sitting in your discomfort and just, yeah. I feel like that's what I do too. A lot of times is I gauge their comfort level with the topic before yeah. I decide, like, okay, do you actually want to hear about this or? Totally. Not? I mean, it's, <laughs> so, it's, it's yeah, like, so, how was your day? Do you really want to know how my day was? Right. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just one of those yeah. things. Right. So yeah, I think it's, you, you have to read your audience. Um, mm -hmm. But, but I, 
I think I'm going to go back to the questions thing. Like, I think, I think it's, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to say, I, I would love, I would love to talk about that if you want to talk about that, you know, and to just sit and listen. I, um, I read an article recently and I can't remember, I thought I wrote it down, but, um, it was something along the lines of like the mistake I made with my grieving friend. And it was essentially about this girl who sees a friend who just lost her father sitting on a bench at work, crying and just being really sad, obviously mourning her, her father's loss. And then this girl is like, uh, telling her a story about, you know, I, I also lost my father and I was, I, you know, I was just born and kind of giving the situation and, and for her, for the girl telling the story to this grieving friend, she was sharing her experience to show her friend that she understood her pain and she wanted to be there for her. But what her grieving friend heard was, um, my pain is obviously not as bad as your pain. You win. I shouldn't be so upset and like stormed off. And so this, this girl was like, that was not my intention. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to diminish her grief or her pain, but, um, I was trying to share, share my same situation or, you know, share, share the emotion of like, you're not alone. And it's called conversational narcissism. And it's totally, we all have it. Like, it's that thing where you hear something and you can relate to it. And then all of a sudden you stop listening to your friend and you're just waiting for them to stop talking so that you can interject and tell, talk about your experience. And it's not, it's not a malicious thing. It's just, we all have shared experiences and we want to share those with everyone else. And we want to know that everyone else can feel the same things as we do. But when you're grieving, it's not always the most appropriate time. Well, and what I'm learning just listening to the different stories of grief is that even if you've had grief, it might not relate at all to someone else's grief. Like mm-hmm. everything is a unique experience. Unique. Absolutely. You're unique. Your person was unique. Sorry. Well, and you have, yeah, you have different relationships with, just like I said earlier, like my brother and my sister also lost their mother with me, but like she was, I viewed my mother differently. Like, like we all even had different relationships with our own mother. So like that is a different variable. There's so many different factors to grief, which is why I think it's also so hard to talk about is that like you said, like everybody has a different connection to the people who died. Like my dad's connection with my mother was different than my connection with her. And um, he's going to deal with things differently than I will. So like, it's just, everything is so different. And also different stages of your grief. Like if you're right in the very beginning, which was like the story I told in the article is that like right in the very beginning, it's so raw and you, I, I mean, I, I had a lot of like, of times where I was like, well, I don't care about it. Like you just don't really care about anything else. Cause nothing else seems as important as your grief at the time. So like work doesn't seem as, as important or even, you know, your relationships, everything feels a little bit Oh, just more trivial. Um, so I think that's another thing too, is that like, if you're really in the beginning of it, it's tough because you, you could say something to a friend when they're in that position and you'd think that you're helping and they might lash out. And that's, you know, that's less about, it's less about your relationship with this person, but more just about that they're grieving and you know what they need at the time. But for me now is that I like, 
I don't, I don't, it's weird. Cause you still, you grieve every, all the time, every day. Like I, and I think about my mother every day, but some days it's just, it's a fleeting like memory or something, but it doesn't always make me sad anymore. Just, I mean, there are some days that it feels like it stings just like when you're in the beginning, which is another thing is the, the grief bursts. That was something that, um, I talked a lot about with my sister because I, I didn't do, I didn't do a grief counselor, which I, I probably should have in hindsight. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful tool and resources to have a counselor specific to grief. Um, she did, she went to somebody and she also read a couple books and there is a guy named Alan Wolfelt, who's really, Dr. Alan Wolfelt, he's really, really good psychologist that has written a lot of great books about grief. And one of the things he talks about is, is having like grief bursts where you seem totally fine. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you just, you're just in pain and you might just start, you might burst out crying, like literally just for no reason. Like something might remind you of the person who died or um, you'll have a memory or you'll have just some feeling and it'll just like wash over you like a wave and you'll think you're fine and you will be fine like the rest of the day. But there's this like 10 minute period where it's just, you'll just feel so awful. And that just happens. And it still sometimes happens. Um, milestones are, are tough. Milestones are definitely harder. So like her birthday or the day she died, or then even like my kids' birthdays, stuff like that, where you just, you're just reminded of the person who's not there to celebrate with you. So, or for a reason, like the day that she died is it's so weird. I don't know, Holly, if this happens to you, but like a week or two before the anniversary of, the, of her death, I get like really irritable. And for a while, I didn't even realize it was like, it was, and I, I couldn't pinpoint it for so long is that I wouldn't even realize that it would be the day she died. Like, like you just, everything just felt yucky and I was mad and I was irritated and nothing was right. And then I would realize, oh, tomorrow's the day. Like, it wouldn't even click. And so then now I'm, I'm totally prepared for it. So I know that like a week or two around the day she died is always going to be the hardest. Yeah. My, mine was the same about the day she died or my dad died. And then his birthday is also mm -hmm. something that sometimes it, um, mine isn't as much irritation as it is anxiety. So I'll be more anxious about things. And then it took me a couple of times to realize, Oh, this it's because this date's coming up. I'm, I'm two weeks out. I'm one week out, just like you said. Yeah. Um, and then preparing for it in a different way. Um, I'd like to link that article. I think I've, I've sent it to you guys and posted on some social media stuff, but it, it, it just like you were saying, Kelly, it talks about waves. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can see the waves coming and prepare for them, embrace yourself. And then other times it just hits you, you know, hundred foot waves, like takes mm -hmm. you over for that 10 or 15 minutes. And then, um, but you get better and over time it, it is a little, you know, makes it easier. But yeah, I, I've definitely felt that um, it just expresses itself in different ways. And I feel like as the years go on, it's even changed for me too. Um, is there know. something that you do when that happens? Like, is there like, do you, do you prefer to sort of like climb into your hole and just like sit in your grief or do you like to reach out to other people like your mom or your sister, like your family or have someone like physically just have anybody there or do you like to be alone? Um, I think it's gone both ways. So sometimes I just jump into self-care mode. Like I'm going to go get a massage. I'm going to go get my toes done. I'm going to go just like do some co creature comfort things that make me feel 
better in those ways. Um, and then sometimes I need to talk about it. So, um, you know, since I don't live close to my family, a lot of times it's been people that are just around, you know, um, friends that I can talk to and have a meal or a beer or coffee with, um, to kind of talk through some of those feelings and emotions. Um, but how about you? What have, what have you done through some of those? So sometimes I like to just be by myself, but I have three kids now, so I'm never allowed to be by myself anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like pre-kids, um, I, I did like to just sit in it and just kind of wallow and kind of allow myself to just feel gross and to eat a pint of ice cream and yeah like like just sort of give yourself permission to feel like crap and then um I mean I have so I've been married to Doug for over 10 years now so like he's been around this entire time and um I think sometimes he can gauge whether or not I want to talk about it so he can usually he'll sometimes be like okay well I'm here but I'll most of the time it's just there's nothing to talk about at this point I, I don't I'm, I'm big into like, if I don't feel right, if I feel anxious or upset about something, I don't like just not feeling right. I always, I have to look inside and be like, what is it? I want to pinpoint exactly what it is. Yes. So I can yeah. fix it. So I can same either, thing. Yeah. yeah. So I can either like address it head on or fix it or whatever. And in these situations, I'm just like, there's nothing you can do. Like there's nothing that makes you feel better. You just have to let it go. You have to let it, let it, let it pass through you, um, like kind of, uh, finish the cycle or whatever. So right. I think, I think that sometimes happens. I, I don't think it's, I think if people were to ever want to talk about it, I would totally talk about it. I talk about everything all the time. <laughs> I talk a lot. So <laughs> I think for the most part I would, but you know, you, yeah, like you said, in those ways, sometimes you just have to sit in it. Yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. I don't know. Uh, any other, like, uh, I mean, I, I talked a little bit about having, you know, with kids, you were kind of alluding to questions earlier about how, if anything is different with, with kids. Um, I think I just, when you have kids, you just like think differently about everything. And I, I always hated that, like patronizing, like, right before you have kids, people are like, oh, well, you just don't know until it happens. I'm like, well, screw you. I, would, I read the books. Don't be, don't be so condescending. <laughs> like, but it is true. Like you, you watch movies differently. You listen to music differently. You, you, you think of, you know, I don't know. It's just, everything just feels different. And so then when we had kids, I was, of course, oftentimes I'm very, I'm very sad that she can't be around. Um, she can't be around to talk to you about stuff like middle of the night feedings. Like, am I doing this right? I can't, can't text her. I can't, you know, um, call her about advice or, or any of that. And of course being a mom, like, I feel like it is sort of this great equalizer. Like everybody, Beyonce has changed poopy diapers. Like it's the thing that everyone has done. Like anybody who has kids has done these. Well, probably not Beyonce. I actually should probably hire somebody, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just this thing that like it, you sort of, it's this weird like fraternity that you join that everyone gets it. And you can walk down the street with your screaming kid 
and some other mom will give you a little like wink and be like, I know, right? Like, it's just this thing that like you all kind of get it. And I, I wish so desperately that I had my mom to like do that with, you know, like to, to be more of a peer. And I think maybe that's even just growing up because obviously your parents are your parents and, and everything. But like, once you get to a certain age, they're kind of more like peers and they stop, you know, so they start cursing around you and you start, you know, like everything is just, you yeah. feel more at your level. And I, I'm, I'm very, really sad that I can't have the same conversations with her now because I was still a kid. I was 22 when she died. So I didn't, I didn't ask her all of these interesting questions about her life and the things that she loves and, and why, and you know, all of those things. And, and now like her, her parents are gone. And then, you know, that year or two after she died, her brothers both passed away. So there's no one left in her family. Um, so the only one that I can ever really even talk to about her is my dad. So I I'm glad and I'm thankful that he's super open about it. Um, anytime I have a question, he'll, he, he gives me straight answers and he, he doesn't mind talking about her. He, he can sometimes get a little weepy. Um, but he's, he's such a positive person and he's, he's had a girlfriend for the last like five or six years who also she'd lost her husband. And so, so she's a big part of our life now too. So, you know, when we talk about, about her now, it's not, it's different because we've all, we've all been able to sort of move on and we all agree. Like, when we, when he started dating this woman, I think that they were a little concerned about how he'd react. And it's like, I'm not a sullen teenager and you're not like divorced. Like, it's not like mom might come back. Like, this is, it's not what this is. Like we, we want him to be happy and to move on and to have someone. And so, so we're, we were really, we loved that and, and they are perfect together. And I like the, she's, she's actually a hospice um, social worker. So she is like so in tune to um like she she would be a perfect person honestly to have on your podcast because she's <laughs> she's fantastic to talk to about this kind of thing she's great at listening um and she kind of knows sort of how to approach some of these subjects so she's always been very cautious with us about certain things and she'll ask questions about her mom and um so talking about her has never been weird in the family which is nice I think that's that's a big deal is because we're all kind of a bunch of talkers so so it's nice that we can still have that that open door so that I don't feel I don't feel like I'm making Lori feel uncomfortable if I if I mention my mother like she's all about it so that's fantastic having that support just all over is um is wonderful do you ever just imagine like conversations that you could have had with your mom kind of like think what through what would she say or what would she do like or is it all the time yeah all the time but the thing is like I don't I don't romanticize her life like we didn't get along very well I didn't get along very well with my mom and a lot of that is because I'm very much like her and I know that and I know that like the things that we would butt heads about are for sure the things that I do. Like I, but I have so, like, I have so much more respect for her now after being the mother because, and it's like, like I was saying, you watch things differently. Like I watch Home Alone and I was like, man, I used to think that woman was such a hag. And now he's just, 
Like we just do it. Like she's doing exactly what I did last Christmas. Like, like that's, you just, you think, you think these things when you're young and you don't realize that your parents really, they really did know that you snuck out that night and they really <laughs> did do like, like they are so much smarter than you ever gave them credit for because you were stupid kids. And, uh, yeah. So I think, I think I, I have those conversations with myself all the time about like what, but I, it's mostly like, oh my God, she would have been so annoyed that I did this or <laughs> like, I mean, as, as similar as we are, we're also like, that's more like personality. Um, she was, she was a different time kind of person, like etiquette queen about everything. Everything had to like look perfect like those kinds of things where she met she cared a lot about what other people thought and I don't care as much I mean I kind of I kind of everyone cares a little bit but she I think she cared a lot more and so little things that like I don't send out invitations to my kids birthday parties I send out a text and my mom would like <laughs> so hard yeah. like like those kinds of things like the the little stupid things that that don't really matter but um and I don't know I I yeah it's hard to say because like by the, when she died like she she had a cell phone it was like a flip phone but she didn't even she always talked about computers like she couldn't handle it like she could barely do email like technology wasn't a thing she could do so like all that kind of stuff like the stuff that's going on in the world I would be really interested to talk to her about or or to know how she feels, or, like, to get a text from her, like, that would be so funny, like, to, because I, she's never, she would have never done that, even now with my dad, he just recently joined Facebook, which, I mean, I was kind of, like, for a while, when, like, Doug's grandma joined Facebook, I was, like, whatever, this is my world, but then when my dad joined Facebook, I was, like, oh, my god, like, this is weird, <laughs> Um, and then he would like post memes. He has posted memes before and it's so funny. Um, but yeah, it's those little things, little things that like new things are happening in the world and, and little things here and there that I'm like, I wonder what she would think. Or I've talked to my dad about that a couple times too, where a lot of political stuff going on right now. And I'd kind of asked like, she she was mostly an open book about that kind of stuff but again etiquette queen she didn't like to talk about politics you know you don't talk about religion or politics or any of that stuff so she kept some of that to herself so so now I'll sometimes ask and and that kind of stuff is interesting but um mm -hmm. yeah I think the con just talking just talking helps that's always helped me just talking it through talking it out um I love being able to hear stories about people that knew her. Um, one of the, one of the uh, anniversaries of her, either her birthday or anniversary, I don't remember. Uh, I had posted something on Facebook and it was like, if you knew my mom, I would, I would love for you to um, send me a story, you know, write something, something, a memory that you had of her. Cause it's those little new discoveries that, that I'm, I don't really get anymore. Just it's been so long. And honestly, I should probably go back and help clean my dad's basement because I'd probably get a bunch of those. But um, uh, it's like the little, it's the little things that you either didn't know about the person or, or little surprises or little anecdotes of just things that you thought are funny. Um, so that was awesome. I loved that. I got probably maybe 20 people 
to post little stories about her. And it could have been as simple as like one of my college friends just saw her at a guard show and, and you know, had a, you know, fun run in with her or, you know, somebody I was in elementary school with and they remembered her, you know, when we'd have sleepovers or, you know, that kind of thing, the like different perspectives of the same person, which is kind of cool. Cool. Hmm. So did anything stand out like when you were kind of grieving or even throughout the last few years? Is there anything that's like stood out as a really good example or even example that just surprised you about how someone reacted to your grief and like what in your experience? Um, I think I think when people are more open to listening and like asking questions. Um, I think, like I said earlier, is that a lot of times people just sort of shut down. And I think sometimes people even think like, oh, she's not going to want to talk about it because it's going to be too hard. But that's not always true. So I think when you get somebody like, you know, those good conversations you have until 2 a.m., you know, those really deep, long conversations, it's, it's when someone like asks questions and is willing to to listen. And, you know, also I'm, I'm not saying that it's never okay to share your own experiences. You know, we all have these, these things and it's nice to hear when someone else feels the same way. But, um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think when there's an openness to, to listen is really important and it's hard. It's hard to just like bite your tongue and not talk, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's really good. Cool. I mean, I think we've made it through all of my actual questions. Um, oh yeah. Say I actually looked at him prior to, and I'm gonna make sure I hit all my bullet points. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and just I think that you were saying like, what advice do you have for friends? Um, mm -hmm. And I have said talking a lot, but um, I just I think with anything, with anything that you talk about a ton, it just it sort of just becomes more normalized. So um, you know, even though death and grief is always really complex. I think just just talking about it more will will help people um, just feel feel less weird. And I mean, you're not always going to have amazing reactions. You know, some people might like bristle and be like, "No, I don't want to talk about it. This is too hard," or whatever. But that's fine. But um, yeah, I think I think the fact is that anything that we talk about will become normalized if you continue to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I think it is important just to make it a part of the conversation. So like you're talking about it, it's, it's not awkward. It's not weird. And then if people want to elaborate, they can. And if they don't, they don't, you know, but at least you're giving a lending ear in a way that's um, supportive and not, you know, just uh, in an awkward way. Cause it, it's been a lot easier for me now to like you were speaking to earlier, Kelly, just to go like, do you want to talk about it or not? Like, you know, I can relate however I can, but I can also just listen. You can just mm -hmm. listen to your story. Um, and maybe that's what somebody needs that day because mm -hmm. they're facing some kind of wave and they might need to talk about it or they might need to be in the hole. It, do, it just, um, but giving them the opportunity, I think, to, to speak about that is so mm -hmm. important. Yeah. And um, I was just thinking about earlier when, so I was saying like with the funeral, like when it had just happened and you're just sort of bombarded with, you're bombarded with a lot of people, you know, giving condolences and, you know, people that 
maybe you don't even know very well. Um, and I think one thing that I didn't love was, well, I mean, first of all, some of the like cliche go-tos of they're in a better place uh, is not super appropriate a lot of the time because you're implying that this is not a good place to be in, like with you. And so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not so sensitive that I'm going to lash out at a funeral from someone for saying that, but I think that you need to think about context. Like if it were someone who was suffering for a long time and, and like letting go and them dying was like actually the best thing, then for sure, go ahead and say they're in a better place. But like for someone who dies in a car accident or something, like that's not appropriate. Like that is not a good thing to say. Um, again, I don't think anyone's going to kick you out of a funeral for saying that, but it's just not appropriate. Um, another thing is that I'm praying for you is another one you have to really look at context because I'm not, I'm not a deeply religious person and I just don't, I, as someone else might be, and that might be really helpful, but I usually end up saying, you know, like I'm sending love or I'm sending strength or something like that, just because I feel like the prayers, it's a little bit, you're kind of cornering your market there. Like I, I, I don't, I don't feel I, it's wonderful if that's something that you do. Um, but if it's not something someone else does, it might not be as helpful. Um, so thinking along the lines of what you might want to say is, is kind of important in those situations. Um, so yeah, that, that's something I had to do too, is change the way I interpreted that. Cause I was the same way for a long time. Just like, keep your prayers. It's fine. Like I've, mm -hmm. you know, all of that, but I had someone, we had a conversation and it's like, well, that's another way that they're sending you good energy. So someone is taking a moment out of their day to think of you and, you know, whether we call it a different thing, that's kind of how my mind started processing is I, I changed it. I just interpreted it differently. So I, I think it's still goodwill. And I think they're still sending you energy. Um, mm -hmm. They're just doing it in their own, in their own way. So, um, so I did have to change because I kind of had felt the same way about that. Mm -hmm. It was like, well, thank you. Uh, you know, but, well, and like um, I was saying earlier, when it's raw, like you're kind of, yes, exactly. if someone, if someone accidentally yeah. says something that just hits you the wrong way at the wrong time, oh, yeah. you're yeah. going to interpret it, like you said, totally differently than. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did I also, notice that. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was just you keep going on your on your prayers. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, I think um, when people leave it up to you, like the the bereaved person, to like tell them what to do, um, it, it's sort of different because we talked earlier about like asking. I want to talk about it if that's okay with you, or I'm not sure what to say, and that's okay. But like when someone's like, "What? Just let me know what you need." or just like a generic, uh, what can I do? Like those, when it's, when it's someone you're not close to and, and it just feels, it, you're putting it on that person to tell them how to help. So for me, I found, especially at the very beginning, if someone has just lost someone, food is always awesome. Like <laughs> whether it's, whether it's, totally. and this is true for death and babies. Like if it's, food is always acceptable. but but it's like don't don't tell someone else like what can I do because now they have to like at their laundry list to think like you they have to tell you how to help them which again I know I'm sort of conflicting my information because I was talking about asking questions but Plan but for this <laughs> make sure you tell Kelly what you need her to do today right 
but what I think, what I think is really important is just to say, I'm going to bring you a meal. Do you like pasta? Like, like <laughs> sort of just say, like, stop. And I, I, I just talk about almost everything differently now in that way where you, tr you just try and be a little bit more, um, assertive and just say like, I'm bringing you some food. Do you like this thing? Just so that they can say, yes, sure. Or, you know, like it doesn't have to be this like, well, cause then when you put it on them, you can say, oh, is, if there's anything I can do, let me know. In your mind, you're like, I don't have any food for the next five days, but I don't feel comfortable saying, hey, Sally, um, can you make me a meal? Like, nobody wants to do that. So I think that is definitely something to keep in mind is that when, when people are in these situations where um, they might not want to make food or like send them a gift certificate to get a massage or something like, you know, like, like your self-care stuff. Like that's really important if you really want to um, we want to help someone just kind of no longer put it on that person to tell you what they need, but to kind of be more assertive about it. I think that's something that, that more people could do. So I think my perspective on that actually is like, I felt like as the person who's tr wanting to help, like, well, I'm trying to insert, like, I'm going to bring you a meal on this day and that might not match your schedule. And then I'm trying to get you to like match my schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it just, it just takes a little bit of communication on that one. Like, I, I think we, we had a, a, um, a situation where a family member was in the hospital for a while. And so I, I did one of those like meal trains or whatever online. So people could kind of sign up and pick a date. And then like, it was kind of an awkward situation because they were sort of in and out of the hospital and they weren't always there to receive it. So it was kind of awkward. Like it had to be more of like, oh, then it was just more trouble than it was worth. So you're right. You could definitely run into those situations, but I think, um, maybe in that case, go to like a loved one who's not like the, like person who's maybe specifically grieving over it. Like if it were m in my case and somebody wanted to help me, maybe they could ask Doug and be like, look, I, obviously he's still grieving as well, but, um, it wasn't his mom. So maybe he's a better person to kind of navigate or that. organize that or even like freezable yeah. things something something totally you can, like, yeah put away and then pop back in the oven when you need it so mm -hmm. it's there yeah. yeah and then little little like little things here and there you know after someone loses someone I, it's grief losing someone is just it makes you feel lonely anyway like you're already you feel lonely with grief because you're the only one experiencing it exactly how you're experiencing it so that's already a very lonely position to be in. So I think as, as a friend of someone maybe who would lose like a little text, just, just a little thing, not even with any, um, anything behind it, but just like, I'm thinking of you heart emoji or something, you know, like something simple and small, and it could be an opening to a conversation or not, you know, like our world is a little bit different than it was. So maybe, you know, there's tiny little things here and there or, or, if you want to go old school, send them a letter or send them a, a, a card or something. Just a little thing. I think just knowing you're not alone is really, really important. And Holly, like you were saying, you don't have your family close. So you're able to kind of lean on a support system there. And I think that's, I mean, that is crucial is to have a support system. I mean, mm -hmm. you you already feel sad and alone. You need to have people there. Even if even if people are not bringing you food all the time or, or all of that, like you just, just anybody who you feel like you might lean on, because I know I, I was lucky that I, 
I felt, I felt okay. I did not feel like I had to go to therapy or felt depressed. Felt like I was able to lean on family and friends and talk about it enough so I could get through it. But I know a lot of people that have gone into like a deep depression and it's really, really hard to get out of. And I feel like that is just ripe for scary things happening. If you already feel that and don't have anyone reaching out to say, you know, I'm here. I don't know if you need anything, but I am here. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to touch a little bit on um, just my my experience with your mom too, because mm-hmm. I think that was my first time. Uh, just the reality of death, and, and probably the closest person to me to have passed away at that time, besides whatever great aunts and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, correct me if I'm wrong we did a lot of those walks right the um awareness walks oh like the cancer the, oh, the relay for life. cancer awareness relay yes. for life stuff because wasn't yes. your mom was there at one and she we, did we, yeah she came yeah in 2006 she was there mm-hmm. um and that i don't know why but that's like so strong in my mind i was, I was trying to just think back about my experience with you and like you said it was so long ago so i mm-hmm. get these flashes and i just um I remember that I remember us like walking with your mom mm-hmm. um at that walk and then the next time we went she wasn't there and uh it was just it was emotional in a different way because you know I was just thinking like how real it is and how much I loved you and just not knowing exactly what to do except to be there right mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of what we did at that time anyways we were this little tribe <laughs> anyway yeah. but um but that was, you know, I think what is like the strongest to me was just how strong you were through everything. Um, and, you know, I just admired you for that because it's such a difficult, shitty situation that you have to get through. And, you know, you just, um, I don't know. I just remember us had like, we all just were that, that cluster mm-hmm. <laughs> together. And um, absolutely. Well, and that was towards the end of college too, where I mean, you're, you're sort of about to set off on adulthood and no longer being protected by any kind of institution or anything like being, being on your own. And, uh, for sure. And that's, I mean, that's why I feel like I got through it as easily, easily. I mean, that's not easily, but, um, is I did feel like I had, I had such a strong support system. And so when, so she died the summer of 07 and I still had to go back to school for one more semester. So I, I, I don't, I don't think I ever considered not going. Like, I mean, I was always going to go back. I remember it feeling a little strange, but also being like, this is also my family. Like I, that was, that was something that you driving three hours from home during this really rough time because I still was, I mean, it would have only been, a month later, less than a month later that I had to go back to school because she died on the 24th of, J- of July when school usually started up in like mid-August. So weeks, it would have been weeks later. And, I, but I, I don't remember feeling just, I don't remember feeling sad all the time. Like I remember having this amazing family in Springfield with you guys and everybody that just, we would use time, we would go to out to dinner and we would have parties. And, um, I, you might say that I just, I sort of 
ignored grief for a while, but I think that's just what I needed. Like, I, I don't feel like I did it in detriment to me moving on or like, or coping. I think that that, that was a form of coping is, you know, occasionally just getting lost and everything else and, and graduating. But, uh, I mean, I was really lucky uh, in these situations. You know, I, not everybody can say they they had all of these people who were willing to to be there and to talk or to not talk and to just kind of exist so that if I needed them, they were around. And I know you guys were, like I said, I know you guys were at the funeral, probably. I probably talked to you. I don't know. <laughs> I remember what dress I wore. <laughs> it was a funeral dress. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's so weird how I, yeah. I, I don't know if you feel like that with, like, just not remembering much, just sort of being in a haze. I do. Yeah. Uh, mine was only four years ago, but still, yeah. I remember my wake dress, my funeral dress. I remember Ellen driving and being there for an hour. Kelly, you were there for the wake and for the funeral um and those are the things I remember are just the people who are around me and everything else I, yeah I don't know yeah and that's I mean yeah. surely that's telling and, and Ellen I don't know how your conversations have been with a lot of the other people but I I mean I feel like the constant that you're probably going to find is people that like had someone there to be present and available because I think that's just so important yeah, it's been an interesting mix, actually. Some people, it's clear, and some people have, you know, like, very calm moments every, like, throughout the funeral and everything, and because of that, I think it's probably easier to remember some of those small details. I mean, the biggest theme I've heard so far is just really leaning on those support systems, whatever it may be, if it's your core family or if it's your friends who are able to gather around, but it's always, like, there's a really strong, like, banding together to get through that time frame of funeral and wake and on and on. Mm -hmm. so I think it just, it's reinforcing. It's not like that's a novel idea that that's so important, but it's certainly reinforcing it and really illustrating that. Yeah. Well, and I think too, with um, people just not talking about death, I think we get into situations too, where like you not only just don't talk about the feelings of death and, and like coping, but we don't talk about the logistics of like, funerals and what you're going to do like when I was saying my mom didn't want to say anything she didn't want to talk about whether she was going to be cremated or what like that she left it up to my dad I think that it's really those kinds of conversations are really important to have with the people around you even though they feel morbid morbid and strange like if I Doug knows I want I want every inch of my body to be donated if possible and I want nothing to be left and I you know like those those kinds of things you need to say. And I had a, a death and human behavior class in college. And I remember that being a big deal is that we talked a lot about the, like we made a living will and we, we discussed, we discussed like cremation and being buried. And, and I, I don't, if, if you know, I don't know if you know, but like we're losing green space in urban areas because of cemeteries. Like there's going to be no more green space left because people who want to be buried are taking up these like seven by eight plots of land that just don't exist anywhere. Like we're going to lose all of that. And I mean, it obviously isn't going to be like that in like rural areas, but like information like that, that's honestly just kind of interesting. And I feel like, like the sustainable uh, thing that you can do. Did you know it was illegal to like spread ashes? Like little stuff oh, yeah. like that. 
That's like people talk about, oh, put me in the seats. Like that's illegal. <laughs> you can't do that. Hollywood is leading me astray. <laughs> so, it's just those little things that I think, I mean, those are important to talk about just in general. And then when people die, you want to know what they wish to do or what the people that are still there want to do. And um, I think those kinds of talks should be less taboo. It shouldn't, it should be more, it should be more normal to talk about yeah, For your family members. I mean, I mm-hmm. just, we were basing a lot of our decisions on, you know, conversations we probably had over beers or all these other things. We're just mm-hmm. going like, well, we think we, he said this at some point, like pretty sure, right. but nobody, yeah, it's like you said, like nobody really knows and you're, you're trying to honor them in a way that you feel good about. But mm-hmm. if you have some guidance from them on that, it, it's just an easier process. Cause I yeah, remember just second guessing every single thing I'm doing going, well, would he really like this? Like, is this, I mean, to a point it's for you because you're honoring the person sure. as well. But if but yeah. it's giving you anxiety, like you already oh, yeah. are feeling this horrible thing. And then all of right. a sudden now you have to make these decisions. So yeah. the fact is that you should not be burdened with doing that. Yeah. I was so upset. I don't, cause I think, we, um, didn't we have the same cards, like the memory cards? Yeah. We did. On the back yeah. is the same. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember flipping through these books and just going like, this is ridiculous. Like, this mm-hmm. is super ridiculous. Ellen and I had this conversation because she made me like a faux yeah. memory card for my dad, which was really funny. Oh. But, um, but I was like, because at the time I was doing like social media marketing and I've been doing some design stuff. I'm like, I'm not in a mental space to design this myself, but I, I sure as hell would if like I had yeah. the capacity to do this at the moment because I'm just flipping through these like courses that don't mean anything to me or probably to my dad and like nothing was speaking to me in this or it's too like so religious that like, oh, that doesn't feel right either. Yeah. So I was almost like angry at the time. Like, I'm changing this whole system. <laughs> you gotta change. This is ridiculous. Not the way it should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still and then feel that way. everything is so expensive. It's like so expensive. A oh casket's like six yeah. grand. Like it's ridiculous. Unbelievable. Yeah. And we actually ridiculous. so so my mom ended up being cremated, and my dad left her. Like in the box they gave them in, they gave her back in. It's just so weird to like talk about that. Like, so (laughs) the box they put her in with this like velvet bag over it, he just put her on the the kitchen table and like, (laughs) like, for a while. It was, and then we would make jokes and then we would make jokes and be like, we're having dinner with mom tonight. And it was just. That's what we do. And right. No, totally. <laughs> it's because you do. Like, if you're not going to, if you can't cry, you laugh. And, you know, it's yeah. just, you no. make those jokes. Yeah. And then eventually, <laughs> I always thought it was so silly because, so she was cremated, but she was in this box. And then they still got a plot of land for her and buried her. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the idea, I guess, was that, like, it's a smaller plot and everything. And we got, yeah. like, the headstone. But I also don't, for me, somebody had asked like, oh, do you visit her grave? And I was like, I, no, I, I think I've only been there twice and it's just like 30 minutes away. So it's not like it's far away, but for me, that just doesn't, it doesn't, she's not there. Like, (laughs) and I, and I felt, I felt the same way about like God and, you know, religion is that like, if I go to church, I'm not, I'm not treated differently by God if I'm in a church. 
than if I'm in my bed or like, you know, like those, those kinds of things where I'm like, she's not, I, she's not there. So I don't feel like I have to honor her by going to this plot of land. Um, and it doesn't make me feel better. It's obviously supposed to make the person feel better that's doing it. So some people love it. Some people feel more comforted and they feel like they have more of a connection to that person, but that's never really been me. So I don't, I mean, I don't go visit it, but the, the one thing though, I will say is that it is a tangible thing. So with my kids, you know, they, they never met her and we have pictures of her. So they'll ask about her and we'll talk about it a lot. And we're very matter of fact with Sam, Sam's six now, he just turned six a couple days ago. And, um, but he's very much like, he's a kid. So he's like, it's like grandma Nancy's not here. I was like, no, she's not. He's like, she died. Like, it's just one of those, like, yep, that's right, yep. dude. Like, that is exactly what happened. And, um, you know, he'll ask questions about it. In fact, he was just asking a couple questions about it yesterday. And um, I think that I do want to bring him and, like, the kids to the plot, like, the, the grave site. Mm-hmm. Just because there's, it's something. It's because he's, she's just this idea to him. Like, Grandma Nancy. Like, he doesn't have any con- concept of, like, who she is, what she was. I think he barely realizes that she was my mom. Like, and I don't think he understands that like I'm his mom. So it's like, he hasn't really made that, he hasn't really made that connection yet. So I think that that is something that I'll probably want to do more is that like we could visit her or like just to give him a little bit of context of these people that died and they're not really there, but you know, this is how we like to remember them. So, so we talk, we talk a lot about her now um, and we'll tell stories and like baking is something that she always did. And so that's something that brings, always makes me feel closer to her. And it makes me feel like, like she kind of taught me how to bake and I loved baking with her. So I kind of try and do that with the kids and I'll talk a lot about how grandma Nancy loved to bake. And Mm -hmm. so that's fun. And I, and I don't mind for the most part, I can talk about her now without, without like tearing up or getting upset for the most part. I mean, it's certain certain questions or things that I'll say, or, or if, or if, you know, one of the kids says something, then maybe I'll, I'll maybe burst into tears. Cause that sometimes still happens, but, <laughs> um, just cause especially with kids, they're so, they're just, there's no, they don't have the same kind of filter and they don't, they don't have the same kind of life experiences. So everything is still just like, they're just curious about everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so that's been, that's been different. I, uh, I was listening to a podcast with Kristen Bell and she was saying that her kids are around the same age. And it's again, very like, it's just very matter of fact. And I don't shy away from anything when it comes to telling the kids, like, I don't ever say, Oh, we just don't talk about that. Or, or, um, they're just in a better place and we're not going to, you know, like I, I tell exactly what happened. You have to choose your words carefully because, so she had cancer, but like, I don't ever want to say she got sick and died because Sam gets sick. Like Sam gets a cold and he doesn't understand what sick is, like what sick will make you die. So I don't want to freak him out and just be like the next time he gets a cold and he's like, I don't want to get sick and die. (laughs) So, uh, so you definitely, (laughs) you definitely have to choose your words differently. But, um, so anyway, so Kristen Wiig was saying that her her uh, husband's father died. So it was their grandpa. And I think they knew them. Um, the kids knew, knew the grandpa, but like the, her little girl was like, so, so matter of fact about like, okay, so like I I'll bring my shovel or like thinking like she was going to like bury him because oh we're gosh. so like, 
we say things that we just don't think we'll be like, oh, well, we're going to go bury him. So as a, like literal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so like as a six year old, like, okay, well, I mean, I want to help. So let's bring the shovel. And it's just, it's, it's so interesting to talk about death with kids because I feel like it's pretty eye-opening about the way that we talk about it being like, it's just, there's code. There's almost this code about it. And, and they're so literal about so many things. Um, yeah. So do a really great podcast by NPR actually about talking to kids about death. And it's like, it's parodying basically what you're saying. It's like, even the phrase, like we put the dog to sleep. Like, yeah. It'll wake up. Great. Mm -hmm. Or if you put your kid down to sleep, be like, I'm putting you down to sleep. They're gonna be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to be really careful. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, a long time ago, I, there was this city, this town like in um, Michigan or Minnesota. Apparently like everyone in the whole town has a living will. I'm, I'm gonna look it up and then uh, link it here. But it, yeah. it was really, really interesting because it was talking about some of the, like, the way they have the conversations are so different because everyone um, has a different uh, grasp on that reality of death mm -hmm. and how to process and what to do. And so it is like that free flowing conversation and like everyone, it's just not a scary yeah. thing. Like everyone just talks about it. They all like know what they're going to do. And, mm -hmm. but it's like kind of unique to this little town. So I need to, I'll find that so that I can share that. That's cool. Interesting. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's, I mean, the fact that, that nobody wants, I, there, death will happen to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's something, it's so interesting that, like, that it's something that's so normal, that's so, every day, people will die, whether it's natural causes or not, that we just, we can't, we have not figured out how to make it, like, a narrative that, is, is a normal thing to talk about. And granted, like, I don't want to make it so normal that like, it's no longer a big deal. People, obviously I you need to grasp the fact that it's this thing that like, it's, it's huge for it, for it to be a thing. But yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's crazy that we've come so far in civilization and it's still taboo to talk about death. What's well, blowing my mind with all of this is that it is, once you just say, I'd like to talk to you about this, it's, pretty easy to have a frank conversation with people. Like, I know I'm pretty close to the people who I've talked to so far, but I think that's such a small step. Like, I almost feel like this entire podcast idea sounds ridiculous. Like, it can be summed up with, well, just ask them. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just obvious. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, yeah. The internet won't even tell you that. I Googled it. Which is <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, but I mean, we, we do talk about like how every experience is so varied and different and people will handle it differently, but you're right. Like that's ask, talk. It yeah, that was, yeah. And that idea, um, that was probably the most important thing I heard after my dad died because, um, you know, in my mind it was suicide. So it's just a little more taboo. Mm -hmm. I, you know, in general, um, and I had a friend who I used to work with who his dad died in a similar way and he gave me some of just the best words I'd heard. And that was just Holly, you know, I'm here for you. Um, I will talk to you at any time, but I want you to, to, to understand that what I went through in my relationship with my dad and what you did with your dad are two different things. So even though we have the same experience, 
I'm going to process it differently than you will. And then that then relate even to Kelly, like you address like your brother and sister. So like our relation, all three of us had different relationships. And so how we process the experience we went through with like my brother finding my dad, me, you know, driving several hours to get there, like all these things just change the whole thing. And, and then how you go on from there is vastly different. So, um, cause me, you know, calling this friend, I thought like, okay, this is gonna be the person that like totally gets like everything. And then, um, you know, he said those things and it was just, it was very, it just, it changed the way I addressed death with anything. Was it a relief to hear that? It was actually, because you think there's like a certain way you're supposed to feel or maybe a certain way you're supposed to grieve or like, okay, this person gets it because it's also suicide, but honestly not. It it Mm -hmm. just isn't, you know, it's so different. And um, that has changed how my conversations go. So I, I no longer, I mean, not that I ever did before, but like, I just never assume anything about anyone's situation because like, I'm sure, and even you with, like, someone else's mom who died of cancer, like, everyone's story and situations are so vastly different mm-hmm. that one's not going to be the same, but the way you get through, you know, it's, like, how you get through those dark moments, like, those things, like, I think are where you can connect, whether it's a dog or a relationship or a, you know, something, anything that gives you that, like, internal darkness, you know, I think mm-hmm. can still be relatable, because I think earlier, Ellen, you were talking about people who, you know, might be trying to relate but they only have this one way to relate because they've only experienced death through an animal or you know the loss I, I think Kelly actually like one of my breakups you sent me an article and it was about how like even that can feel like death, death. Of, of, <laughs> of something you know and that was really important to me and I, I thought about that like many years later about how you know I relate to other people so it doesn't have to be the same mm-hmm but you can, you know, you, you go through different processes on all these different things. So, yeah. Yeah. And it does, uh, you can, we grieve all the time for different things. Yes. I have similarly, I have a friend who, um, you know, went through a divorce and it was just that like, you don't, you're not, you don't, you're not given a manual of like how you're supposed to feel or what you're supposed to do, but it is like, it's a death of of the future that you thought you were going to have. And, um, so I, I feel like the things that you learn when it comes to talking about grief and loss, I mean, it's just loss. It's loss of something, whether that's people can grieve over jobs. Like it's a loss. It's a loss of a future that you thought you had, or maybe with someone or whatever. And I think I think sometimes it's hard because you always feel like yours. I mean, it's you, you're, you're the narcissist of yourself. Like you think it's the most important thing. And like you said, everyone might be going through something else. Like you, someone else in, on a bad day might, you might think, Oh, well that person's just this horrible thing. They might've just lost their dog or something. They, they're just, they're coping with it. Maybe in an, in a bad way. Maybe they're being a bad driver or something. I'm just going to assume everybody who cuts me off just lost their dog. So that's just what I say. It's like, I bet they lost their dog today. <laughs> there are just not a lot of people out there that have lost their dog today. Excellent lesson okay. in empathy from Kelly. <laughs> Kelly. Just assume everyone is grieving and that's why I'm cutting you off. I'll excuse you this one time. You know, <laughs> You see that car a second time though might not be exactly right. there's there, there's a pregnant lady in there and they're getting to the hospital that is the second <laughs> thing I so that car has I, a, 
crazy life right now. I have to work through road rage too. It's okay. This is how I work through it. So I think just, yeah, I think the moral of the story is just being there, being, being a presence in someone's life who might need it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! Yay! <laughs> Woo! Thanks, What's Kelly. your editing process like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty lax. Yeah. But just been, yeah, it's been really eye-opening just talking to people. I do, like, what I said was true, or I was just like, this is suddenly so obvious how it actually is pretty easy to, to be there and be supportive. But it doesn't feel yeah. like it at the time as the person from the outside. Yeah. So like for you, like as someone on the outside, like, do you feel like there's something that you've done? Have you ever been lashed out at? Or like, have, do you feel like you've ever done something wrong or have been like, I feel like I don't know. said things. A few, like there have been a few instances where I didn't know what to say. So I kept quiet and I've kind of regretted mm-hmm. that. And then also just like, I mean, the story about the kind of like the food that I was talking about earlier is like, I don't know how to do this without feeling like more of a burden. So yeah, like you don't want to inconvenience someone. Yeah. And I think that at that point, I think I was just young and like, you know, I can't remember what, when it was or whatever. It was just like, I'm not great at cooking to begin with. And then to like force my stale lasagna on someone or something. But, um, no, and if you want to like take yourself out of the equation in that case, like send them a gift card in the mail and just yeah. let them go out to dinner or something. If yeah. like, if you feel like you're talking yourself out of these kinds of things and you're like, I want to help, but then, you know, I don't want to do this and this and this, so I'm just not going to do anything. So like, you can figure out a solution too. So mm-hmm. make it so that like, it helps everyone. Yeah. And I think that's just what I'm, I'm learning. I mean, fortunately I have enough people for this podcast, unfortunately, but then fortunately no one like it's not been so many that I've like I'm in good practice about this so and it is because it is also unique you know like with Holly it was just like well I should I don't know what to do but I know that I need to go to the place and do like at least just be near to that person I think when it's someone who I'm not as close to it's harder for me to understand my where my little puzzle piece fits in their life at that point. And I think your advice just about like, just send a note or just send an email, just send anything that says, Hey, very available at, for you at this point in time. I think that's probably just solid advice. to no definitely about you. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, if you're taking time out of your day to send condolence or, or even Holly, like you said, sending prayers, like their own form of, of of love and energy then I think that that's important enough yeah yeah and I think also I will tell one story um uh not being afraid even if you do feel like you're gonna put your foot in your mouth it's not the end of the world like so should I name names (laughs) probably I don't think so we're gonna market this to our friends first so (laughs) Unless it's so we were in a situation. Is it is it what is it one of us? <laughs> <laughs> right. What did I do? No. So a good friend. Uh, I was my bachelorette party, and we had like the shower that morning, and we got in the car and we were yeah. going to like the next destination, and she, a friend, very good friend, is in the back seat and is like, Kelly, I saw, I saw Doug's mom there, but I didn't see your mom there. 
And I kept just being like, my mom? Like, not even outright, like, saying, like, my mom's dead. Didn't you remember? But, like, sort of egging her on and being like, um, my mom? Like, like, where is it? Come on. <laughs> and she, get there. like, you could see the horror in her eyes. What she'd said. And, oh, my God. I am so sorry. Like, I was going to break or something. Like, because she, she felt so awful about putting her foot in her mouth. And I, I mean, I, I thought it was funny. I still tell that story. Because <laughs> it's endearing. Because it's one of, it is, it's, you're, you get caught off guard. And, and she thought, she thought I, maybe I was going to burst out crying. And I didn't. I mean, I was laughing. It was just, it was a silly, like. Well, because, I mean, but you're also it. horrified because it's like a happy day. And then. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. You're like, totally. Oh, and it's like, and it's not like, and I mean, the thing is, it's not like it wouldn't have been on my mind already. Like I had just spent a day with all of the women in my life Mm -hmm. celebrating me and she wasn't there. Like I already figured that out. Like I already was, I was already in that place. So then when she did this, but it was almost like breaking the tension of this like unspoken thing. I don't think, I mean, probably at one point, maybe somebody would have said, oh, your mom would have loved this or something. But like people avoid it so hard because they just think that the mention of it is going to like break this person. When again, like I said, it's, it's already there. Like I'm already thinking about it all the time. So the fact that somebody brings it up, it's not like, oh my God, what? I forgot. Like, like I knew. It's cool. You're not going to be here. Yeah. Wait, what about my mom? Wasn't there? So yeah. So it's just, I think, I think people shouldn't be as afraid, just right. not be as afraid, just yeah. that, that it's, especially when it's someone who's grieving, someone who's close to them, um, like I, I'll context, obviously, like at the funeral, don't like start like, Hey, what are you doing next week? Like, I mean, there, there's a time and a place, but, um, but yeah, to, to, to not be afraid to approach the subject. Yeah. Yeah. My mom lost her mom when she was maybe just a few years older than you were. So I think when she was like 26-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it's like. So I I grew up knowing that her mom was dead. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like, so, and I've talked with my mom a lot, just kind of working on this podcast, just because it's always been a part of her life. But mm-hmm. as long as I've known her anyway. Um, I had a oh and she that sorry her advice is like (laughs) her advice is like well yeah just ask like people want Mm -hmm. generally want to talk about their person like they want to remember them too and they want to share it with you so it's like just ask ask questions Mm -hmm. and say like what would actually Holly I did this when we were in Spain on your dad's birthday and it was like we were in the tapas bar um, you know, we're, we're doing a toast to Ernie cause it was his birthday and it's just like, well, what would he, like, what would he do if he was here right now? And I think if I had, like, <laughs> all these conversations, even just with my mom and now it's like, I would have, I would just been like, oh God, yeah. Toast to Ernie. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, and then like yeah. from it, but instead I asked this question and you like, you just lit up. You're just like, he would like, he would buy everything. He would do like, you were able to share that and like think about him in a happy way again. So that was, well, I think it breathes, it breathes them into existence again, right? Like yeah. that's how you can keep them going as you talk mm-hmm. about it and you talk about their memory and, you know, even a bad situation, it, it doesn't 
matter you know it's like you still yeah like I love that you asked me that that was great <laughs> and we toasted yeah. to we toasted to Ernesto and uh yeah. you know how would he adventure through Spain and it was it was great because um yeah yeah you want to keep it going in, in all the ways so now I think I'm in a different place like I would talk about my dad anytime like mm-hmm. you ask <laughs> like, I would yeah. love that whereas before I it took me some time. So I jumped into work and got really busy, like right after. And I didn't necessarily want to talk about it. I don't know. I, I didn't want to talk about it with a lot of strangers. And I lived in Memphis, which was felt at the t- at that moment, I didn't have that. I had like two people at my close network, which is fine. Sometimes that's all you need. It's just mm-hmm. a couple of people that you can be real with and honest with. And, and that network grew. And then I was able to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely took some time to like want to do that. So, um, but now, yeah, definitely like after some time, I'm happy to, to talk about him in any, any capacity. Mm-hmm. So, I've yeah. heard that, I don't, I don't remember who said this, but it was like, you have two deaths and one is when you actually, your body dies and the next death you have is the last time someone speaks your name. Hmm. and it's it's such a profound thing to think because there will be a time where like you are a more distant memory because you haven't been around for as long or whatever and like people will move on and people will continue having families and friends and things long after you're gone and um and so I think like you said keeping them breathing life into their into their existence for a little while longer is really really cool and I think that for anybody who loses a loved one, whether it's a parent or, you know, a spouse or a friend is that that's like, that's all you want to do is to just like keep them around, whether it's just, um, in stories or, you know, these memories. So, so having that around, I think, I think building those memories is really important and that's, that's, yeah, something that, that people can always just ask, say, oh, well, what would your mom have done? Like Ellen did the perfect thing to kind of give you an opening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good job, Ellen. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool. I need to find like a whole new vocabulary for this because my default words are like, cool. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's like, mm, is it cool? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Have like a little list next yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. You cross them off as you use them. The show. <laughs> I can't use that word again. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Um, but I'm really thankful that I have both of you and that you're both willing to share and that we can talk about this stuff. Anytime. Same. Yeah. Thank you guys. My, my daughter is now awake. She's been, she's been up for like 15 minutes. She's just sitting there. Nice. <laughs> yeah, probably maybe go get Are it. we, yeah, are we done with podcast talk? I think so. Okay. okay. Uh, so I went and had coffee with someone I met on uh, a dating app this morning. Hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop the recording though. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sorry for Your Loss. For links to any referenced sources, articles, or websites in this episode, visit sorryforyourlosspod.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at sorryforyourlosspod. What did you think? How have you grieved? What helped? Record a message and email it to sorryforyourlosspod at gmail.com and it may be featured on an upcoming episode of this podcast. Sorry for Your Loss was created and produced by Ellen Schwartz with moral support from Holly Mills. 
Thank you for listening, and spread the word. If you really loved what you hear, be sure to subscribe or leave a five-star rating. Thank you.